the Big Church Podcast. Well, good morning. So good to see each and every one of you all here this morning, and we're excited about Baptism Sunday. Who's excited about it? It's, it's our favoritist. Oh, favoritist. That's a good English term. Thank you, honey, for correcting me. It's how I learn. But uh, it's our favoritist, uh, one of our most favorite services that we have. So we enjoyed having you guys here this morning, and I believe God is going to do something really, really big in this place today. Maybe you don't even realize it yet, what you're about to find out, because there's going to be an altar call, there's going to be a baptism call, there's going to be a call for you to take action, to do something. The Holy Spirit might be saying, oh, it's time to get dunked again. We have it happen a lot, so get ready for what's about to happen. But we are so excited to be here this morning, and I just want to take a moment to uh, to tell you about the exciting things that are going on right now at Big Church. And you know, when you get into the experience of, of Thanksgiving's coming up Thursday, that's my favorite holiday. You don't got to buy uh, presents. You get to eat all day. You get to watch football in the name of Jesus. Uh, but, but what you get when you get Thanksgiving is you show your gratitude by what? By giving. You know, we went out the other night and we passed out home. We passed out many coats and scarves and gloves to the homeless. Something that you guys actually were a part of here, even though you didn't know it. We uh, were about to give a uh, hundred families in need food for the holidays. Can I get an amen on that one? Thank you all for who went down the other night. Though it was such a great time in that. But you know. Um, we're doing this toy drive because it's, it's not about us. It's about what we can do for our community. Because when we get so focused on what we can only do in the house, it limits God to what he can do outside in the community. So we want to give back to them. So the last two weeks, if you haven't been here, I'm just going to kind of give you a, a little bit of a summary. So we got about two hours of preaching coming on. You're going to get three sermons. No, you're not. They're looking at me like, this is my first time here. You better keep it short. I can't promise you. But last week, the last two weeks, we talked about how to walk chosen. And last week, we, we, the title of the message was Choose to Follow. And once you've chosen, once you've chosen to follow, you have, wow, that's too many chooses and chosens in there. But once you've chosen, you have to make a conscious choice to follow. And baptism is one of those steps you take in continuing your walk with Christ. In keeping with Jesus is our message, that's one of our core values, we're going to talk about his baptism today and what it actually meant for us. Jesus' baptism was a very big event, right? He came up on the scene and it was so impactful that all four of the Gospels wrote about it in their own way. It was the event that made all the highlights in all four of the Gospels. But this was Jesus' big day, right? This was his inauguration, you might say, into ministry. It was his unveiling. And you might say it was his grand opening. His grand opening. But everyone around him didn't really realize what was going on. You know, he walks up on the scene. They don't know that the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was about to get in the water with them. And I'm telling you one thing. He doesn't care what water you've been in. He just wants to get in the water with you. Let's look at Matthew 3, 13. We're going right into Bible here. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. The title of my message is, Baptism Is. Wow, that's a really catchy title, Pastor Rich. But number one is commitment. Think about this. You might not, you think he walked from the Galilee to the, to the River Jordan. That was a 40-mile walk, Galilee to Jordan. 
That's like us taking a walk to Frankfurt and back. Would you do it? Some of us can't even go to the refrigerator and back without complaining. I don't ever complain going to the refrigerator. But it was a 40-mile walk. Sometimes it's hard to make a commitment. And commitment is something that many of us, including myself, struggle with. How many struggle with commitment out there? Come on. Oh, wow, all these hands. Y'all are a bunch of saved people in the house this morning. <laughs> including myself, I struggle with it. You know what? When you start your workout, how many start their workout three times a year? How long does it last? In January, I work out the whole month. I'm feeling all good until the 1st of February. And then that's how my diet works. My diet works every Monday. And by Monday night, I'm like, where are we going to get something to eat at? You, I'm hungry. Let's go. I don't care. But we do that. We diet and we work out and we change a few things. But it seems like we go back to the same old thing that we've always done. It's like that with our Christian walk. We start out praying, and we're really praying to God, and, and we start attending church and, and reading our Bible. And before too long, we kind of drift off into another place where we don't even know how to get back to where we were. Our commitment level to Jesus has to be long-term. We have to choose to follow him. Why? Because Jesus was committed to us. He was committed to the mission. He came in human form. He was tried. He was tempted, he was made fun of, and ultimately, he was sacrificed. And he went to the cross for all of us. Wow, that was commitment, right? He was in it till the end. Second Chronicles shows his commitment to us. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen, listen to me, strengthen those whose hearts are full, fully committed to him. He's looking all over the earth to give you strength. When you feel like you're weak, he's looking for you. Uh, his eyes go to and fro. He says, I know some people in Louisville, Kentucky, who need to be strengthened this day. I know they're having a hard time. I know they're going through something, but they need strengthened. So how can we, if God is that committed to us, how can we be more committed? Here's some practical steps. If you like to take notes, take notes. If you don't like to take notes, take notes. <laughs> I'm not a big note taker, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to take notes. But here's some practical steps. Listen to this. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Anybody, I'm not old, but I'm old. Remember a time when a guy used to shake your hand and you were fully committed to the deal that he talked about. You didn't have to get a contract. You didn't have to do all of the things. Out. You shook a hand and you said, I'll do this. I'm committed to starting doing what I'm asked to do. And that was all it took. But say what we mean and mean what we say. Matthew 5, 37. I love it. It says, just say a simple yes, I will. Or a no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. We talk too much. Have you ever been around that person? Oh, y'all are probably sitting next to him, maybe. <laughs> Don't you hit him or anything. Have you ever been around that person that likes to hear themselves talk? Oh, y'all. You know what I'm talking about. They love to hear themselves talk, and you're sitting there, I wish they would just shut up. How about this? How about the one that likes to embellish Y'all don't even got those people in your life, do you? They like to decorate everything they're saying. They like to add to everything they're saying. And what happens when they get to the very end of it, it's probably not all true. Y'all ain't been around the same people I've been around. 
They start telling that story, and about a quarter of the way through, about 20 minutes through, you're like, okay, I don't believe nothing you just said for the last 10 minutes. The first five minutes you had me, but not, not now. But they love to, embar- uh, to embellish. And, and listen, sometimes we say yes with our mouth, but our hearts are really saying no. The Bible says let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Or we say no knowing that we should be saying yes. How many have done that before? You said no to something and went, I probably should have said yes to that. But listen, the Bible says God looks at the heart and not at the outward appearance of things or really what you say. You can say anything to anybody. You can say anything to God, but if the intention of the heart is not where it's at, maybe you you got to watch your motives. Listen, you can't be a yes person. James 1.19 says this. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen. That's a hard one. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. I think I fail at all three of those. Help me, Jesus. Don't be so quick to say yes to everything just because it's good. You know what that causes? That causes burnout. That causes you got to ask yourself and you got to know your boundaries before you say yes. You have to ask yourself, do I have the capacity to do this? If I do it, will it glorify God? Or am I doing it because I want to do it or someone else wants me to do it? Don't let someone else's yes be your yes. If it ain't your yes, don't say yes to it because they said yes to it. Because what happens is, is you become bitter about it, you become angry about it, and you get to the point where you don't want to do nothing because you've said yes to everything. Woo! You can't be controlled by or influenced by people. Listen, you may be a little outnumbered in this world and maybe on your job and home, but you got to be true to who you are. That... that People are looking at us Christians like we're crazy right now in the world because of the way that we believe. And we feel outnumbered sometimes in the workplace when we're having to deal with everything around us. But listen, be true to your word even when everyone else is disagreeing with you. Jesus came into culture. He walked up in there. He was a rebel. He was, what was your favorite word? Jesus was a savage. Man, he walked up in the room and he changed the whole culture of everything. We used to do it this way, but we're not doing it that way anymore. Sometimes we got to be that person that changes the culture, that changes the atmosphere of the room. So many times we walk in and we blend in and God said, I want you to be the change. I want you to be something different. You have a firm response and commit yourself to it. Say yes or no. The Bible says if you're You're kind of in the middle there. You're like a wave going to and fro, and and you're tossed to and fro. God said, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. But listen, once you've said yes, it's time to, number two, follow through. Another one I'm not great at. Follow through is to continue an action or task till its completion. (sighs) Till its completion. Help me, Jesus. In the last few weeks, I've been making notes. No, sorry. I've been making lists. Anybody like to make a list out here? I don't. But it's been really good to help me to get things done. Thank you, beautiful wife that's told me that for 10 years now. But listen, sometimes you just have to make a list and finish and follow through with it. I've read two books this year. That is so good. Y'all don't even know. 
I'm that guy that said, they're saying, oh, did you read the book? The book is nothing like the movie. The book is so awesome. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to wait for the movie to come out because I want to watch it. Oh, that, that just hurts Ashley's feelings up there. She loves to read. I, not so much. Unless the book has, I'm, I'm not going to get off, but unless the book has like really short chapters, like six pages, then I can say, I read two chapters today. I mean, I mean, feel accomplished. But following good, following through and forming, as I said last week, good habits. So many times we talk about bad habits, but forming good habits in our lives are getting up and doing the things we know to do each day. Baptism number two, we're just on two out of point seven. <laughs> baptism is, number two, humility. Can I just tell you, this baptism scene, this was John's big moment. Think about it. It was, it was his time. You know why? Because he had been in the wilderness. He had been doing what God had asked him to do. He'd been out there a long time. There were crowds, and the crowds that were following him, can I tell you, weren't Jesus' followers yet. They were John's followers. John had to go down. He had to bow down. But you know what he had to do? He had to let go of his pride. John let go of his pride because he saw Jesus come up on the scene and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He said, but further on, he said, I must decrease so that he can increase. Everything that John did pointed to Jesus. But can I just tell you something? Jesus is, not, Jesus is our message, not a political party. The Bible says government rests upon his shoulder. Jesus is our message, not self-help, because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You can try everything else, but it don't work. Jesus is the message because religion restricts and relationship releases. John let down his pride, but he still felt unworthy. Look at Matthew 3.14. But John tried to talk him out of it. He's like, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? And in Matthew 3.11, he's up, up, further up from there. He said, I baptized with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater than I'm not worthy to even, or a slave, to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John said, you're coming to me to be baptized? I need to be baptized by you. Let me just tell you something. In this journey you're on, you're going to experience the times of unworthiness. You know why? Because it could be due to your past. It could be due to your failures. It could be due to your shortcomings and, and the circumstances of your life. You're going to feel unworthy at times. But let me just tell you something. Let me help you out. Our unworthiness, our worthiness is not defined by people. It's not defined by society. It's not even defined by us. Our unworthiness is defined by God. You know why? What you have to do, you have to move forward in that word. In it. You have to move forward in humility. Because you know why? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. None of y'all in here are perfect. And you never will be. We should move forward in humility because what humility is, it's acknowledging that we have fallen short. It's acknowledging that we have made mistakes. It's acknowledging that we have had failures. When you think about Peter, Peter's my favorite. If you haven't watched The Chosen, I'm plugging it again. Chosen is good. Peter's my, one of my favorite guys on there. But The Chosen, when Peter comes to it, God comes. We know what Peter did, didn't we? Peter was called. He, he, he followed Jesus all of those years and and and. and what he did was he saw miracles, but what he did at the final thing is he denied Jesus three times. 
Here's the story of knowing that if you're, if you're humble and you come back to God, Jesus goes looking for Peter. He says, I want you to go find the other disciples. And then the, you look up the verse. I didn't have it under. It says, and Peter. He, didn't, he, he, he singled Peter out because he knew that Peter was feeling a certain way. Peter was feeling unworthy because he had made the mistakes. He had done all those things. Because God is moved by our humility. You know what he did? He walked up on the scene and he said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, God, I love you. Peter, hold on a minute. Do you love me? He said, yes, God, I, I do. He said, hold on a minute. Peter, do you love me? And Peter was probably getting a little annoyed, but no, no, no. Each time he asked Peter to, uh, if you love me, it was all three times he was forgiving Peter for every denial that he gave. There was a reason behind there was three of them right there. But he saw that Peter was feeling. But look, if you look on into the future, Peter becomes the rock of the church. Peter goes on to, to speak boldness at the day of Pentecost. He knew that Peter needed to be restored. Jesus pursued him because he knew he was worthy. Humble yourself, the Bible says, in the sight of the Lord. And in due time, you will be lifted up. You've got to accept and you have to embrace who you are right now. So many of us are looking up about who we're going to be. So many of us are looking at, uh, at who, we, who they can be. But God said, I want you to embrace who you are right now. Some of you are doing better than you give yourself credit for. Oh, I got to say that again. You're doing better than you give your credit. So you get up in the morning and you're saying, you're much farther along in the journey than you tell yourself in the mirror every day. You got to speak life into yourself. Number three. Baptism is obedience. Matthew 3, 15. Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? He was God. He was sinless. But Jesus humbled himself to do what God asked him to do, and he lived a life of complete obedience to the Father. Jesus had to be baptized. This is why he was sent. He was fulfilling his mission. He showed his intention to identify with us in baptism. Jesus thought baptism was so important. Because it mattered to him, he modeled it. He showed us. Many times in Scripture, he showed the disciples how to pray. Jesus showed us the steps. It was the first steps for him to fulfill the will of God in him. He had to be born, he had to be baptized, and he also had to go to the cross for us. Baptism is an outward sign of one's inward obedience. Can I tell you what baptism is not? It's not a requirement for your salvation. Other, what other people may say it's not. It's not for the forgiveness of sin. It's a decision so you can be, not a decision so you can be loved by God. God loves you. Can I assure you today, if you've never been baptized, God still loves you. So many things get distorted in the church world right now, but God still loves you. When you follow Jesus and accept him, you're forgiven, you're accepted, and you're chosen. But baptism is a step of obedience. You know why we have to be obedient? It's a symbolic way of dying to the sin, going down, getting yourself raised to new life. Baptism identifies you with Christ and gives you power to overcome things in your life. Let me, let me prove it to you, Ephesians 1.19. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us. 
who believe in him. This is the same, listen, the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor. You have the same power that God has, that Jesus had. He seated him in heavenly places. That you need to walk around saying, man, I am a child of the king. I have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Whenever you're starting to go through that battle, you need to remind yourself of that. Baptism marks your way. We're about to see some people marking their way publicly. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to come out publicly and say, this is who I am. Matthew 10, 32 says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. This is a public declaration of your personal faith. Jesus was baptized to identify us. Baptism number four, we're moving along. Baptism is affirmation. Matthew 3, 16. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and it lighted upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God made it a point to be pleased with Jesus before he ever started his ministry. Before he ever healed anymore, he was affirmed. Before he ever performed any miracles, God affirmed him. Before he had any followers, before he died on the cross, before he did anything, God was affirming him in this place. And yet his father was pleased. Why? Because he was his son. Sometimes there's things that you're not happy with your kids about. They're your son. They're your daughter. There's sometimes there's some things in life that I can tell you that probably we need some forgiveness to go on in some family. You need to understand that that is your son and that is your daughter, that is your aunt and that is your uncle. Sometimes we just have to grasp hold of that. He didn't have anything to prove. It was affirmation that he was ready to fulfill the purpose of saving us. And here's the thing I thought about. John probably needed some affirmation in himself. You know, here he'd done all the work. I mean, he, he, he was in the wilderness, and he was preaching, and, and, and I'm sure he had to have that human side of him. He'd been preparing the way. But John, Jesus had to tell John, you are a forerunner to who I am. You are the fulfillment of prophecy of who I am, and you are preparing the way for who I am. Your ministry has a purpose and sometimes you just need to move forward in that affirmation, not in pursuit of it. Affirmation, listen to me, is not from people. People can affirm, but God approves. Not all, not, affirmation is not from titles or positions or climbing the corporate ladder or where you're at. We've been pursuing affirmation, trying to be important, trying to feel important, wanting to be admired and be thought of. God sees you the way Jesus when he saw Jesus, you are a son and a daughter before you ever do anything else. Let that affirm you today. He is for us. Romans 8, 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I want to let you know that God is fighting for you. Look at Romans. I told you you got to get you some verses. Look at Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. He's our protector. I like this one. Psalms 91.4. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. He is faithful promises. He is faithful in his promises and your armor and protection. You are his beloved. Baptism number five is a mission. Matthew 28.19 says, 
Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey, that's a hard word, all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this thing, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. They were commissioned to go on a commission. Sorry, that was not right. They were commissioned to go on a mission. They were entrusted with power. They were given authority. And along with baptism, they and we are given a mission to spread the good news of Jesus to this world. You weren't saved. You weren't baptized to come to church only. You weren't saved or baptized to sit on a padded street. You are baptized to go and to make disciples of all men. That's what the word says. He put us on a mission, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which Jesus prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We have a reason to exist. You have a purpose that you're called to. There's a future that you can look forward to. So many times we abort that because we forget who we are. So what does, mission being, what does being on mission look like practically? It means being light in a dark world. If you walk around much out there, you'll see we live in a very dark world. Light of the world, not the light of the church. You got to get outside of this particular place. This is good. We shine together when we're here, but our best light should shine on our jobs. Our best light should shine in the community. Our best light should shine in Kroger, not in here. God says, be a light to your community. Also, inviting people to church. When's the last time you invited anybody to come to church? Now, this is Baptism Sunday. Uh, there's probably a lot of people going to get their hand up. That's good. But we're going to have, in the future, we're going to have a friend's day. We're going to ask you to invite your friends and family. And when's the last time you invited someone? When's the last time, think about it, you talked about your faith to someone outside of who you are in church? Think about it. That person you used to, when you first got saved, man, you were like, I'm taking hell, I'm taking on hell with a squirt gun. We're going. It's on. But after a while, what happens? We quit talking about it because it's not popular we quit talking about it because it's uncomfortable. But Jesus said, I want you to be light to this dark world. Bringing others into the church is not an option. It's an obligation. It's a calling. It's a commission. It's a charge. It's a duty. And it ought to be a joy. It ought to be a joy to invite someone to church. You have to make disciples. And here's the easiest way to make disciples. You want me to tell you how you do it? He saved you so you could be with him. And when you're with him, you start looking like him. They say that when you're married long enough, you start looking like your other person. She is saying, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. <laughs> we'll pray against that one, honey. But you are who you hang out with. You are who you're around. So, so many times, you know, if you start looking like who you're around, and if you're around Jesus, guess what? You're going to be attracted. You're going to be attractive to other people because they're going to be going through something and they're going to look at you and say, man, how do you still got a smile on your face when the economy's dumping? How do you still have a smile on your face when your job is out? How do you have, still have a smile on your face when your husband or wife? Because I have the joy of the Lord who is my strength. Come on, they're looking for something that we ain't showing too much. You got to make disciples. And I'm going to tell you, if you ain't in a small group, you need to get in a small group. You need to get in around a bunch of like-minded people who are going to push you to the right place. We'll close in here in a minute. When God makes... 
This is my second close. When God makes a covenant with people, actually, this is really good, and this was not mine, but I loved it. I had to copy and paste it. When God makes a covenant with people, it comes with a sign. Baptism is the sign of a new covenant. You know how water is significant in the Bible? Well, when Noah's day rolled around, it rained, it rained 40 days and it 40 nights. You know what it did? It washed away the sinful people. Noah in the flood, the Egyptians drowning in the Red Sea. Guess what he did? He drowned the enemy. There's about to be an enemy drowned up here in just a few minutes. There's about to be some people that are going to go down one way and they're going to come up another way. The Israelites crossed over the river, over the water, into the promised land. And what that signifies is that slavery to sin, slavery to everything else in their life, it was all over. Because you go down one way and you come back up another. What I love about baptism, it allows people from all ages and races and walks of life to be in the same family. We're in the same family. Hey, fam. What's up, y'all? We're in the same family. God enables us with his presence and power, and the Holy Spirit now resides in us when we get baptized. If y'all would stand with me, please. I'm only 30 seconds over. We're good. I'm going to ask you something today. Maybe you're here today, and first of all, you've never made that decision to accept Jesus. I mean, we're not talking about baptism. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There's going to be people up here during this song on the left and right. It's going to be the prayer team. And if you'd like to come down and make a public, they're about to make a public declaration in baptism. If you want to come up and make a public declaration to Jesus, do that. I'm going to encourage you to do that. You can get saved at your seat. You can get saved anywhere. But sometimes taking that step out in faith and walking up towards something changes everything. Bible says salvation is pretty easy. It's easy to accept. It's a little harder to walk out. It says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart and you ask God to forgive you, you can be saved. It's not really complicated. The, the, the step, but walking it out is sometimes. These altars are open to you. And I want to make it, I want you to make a decision today. Maybe you're going to make a decision to follow Jesus. And just as soon as there was a story of a guy that didn't even know Jesus and Paul, and, and, and they brought him to Jesus and he said, he accepted him and he says, well, what do I gotta do to be baptized? He said, we gotta find some water. So let's go get some water right now. He said, we ain't gonna wait. It's not something you gotta wait on. So in your, if you're here today and you feel that unction, if you feel that, that calling for God to call you up here, if you feel like you need to get in this water, you dry out sometime today. I promise it's raining, so it doesn't matter, really matter. But follow the Lord in baptism today. And if you feel that thing, you do. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.